Us. If this is your first or second time here, welcome. It's great to have you part of our gathering. Uh, we've got uh, family away overseas. We've got people all over the place. It's, uh, it's just how family rolls. So it's good to have you with us. And uh, something else I was going to say that was really profound and I can't remember what it was. So My name's Phil and it's my delight to share some thoughts with you this morning. And uh, then I've got some stuff for you to do. Um, this will most likely be the final message on new wine. We'll see how far through I get today. But we've been walking through some teaching that Jesus gave us around new wine in order that we would know that we have a responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ in order to live the way that he has made and prepared for us to live. And so this morning I want to try and tie that together with a few other things that are going on. But it's really important that we each... Uh, come into alignment with what Jesus is doing as he refreshes us and pours out this new wine. Um, I would encourage you, if you have not yet uh, listened to the previous two messages on new wine, to grab them via the podcast or the app. Um, You can get them on iTunes or your preferred podcast uh, place of download. And the reason I say that is it's really important that we continue to feed ourselves on on the Word of God that that, uh, is coming to the church. As we get aligned, we come into resonance, which is what defines rhythm. And as I say this year, it's our rhythm that defines us. So that's uh, why we do that. I got some feedback on uh, Wednesday night at School of the Spirit. A couple of people were uh, incredibly excited about the season we're moving into and what Jesus is preparing for us is what I'm calling new wine. So to start with a couple of questions. I'll give you a moment to think. What is it that is exciting you about the journey from breakthrough into promise? This is the moment of participation. Everyone looks at the floor. Don't make me pick you. What is it about the journey from breakthrough that we started at the beginning of the year into promise that we're continuing? What is it about that that might be exciting for you? Change. The old is gone, somewhat boring, but we're going into something new that Jesus has prepared for us. Great answer. Is there anything else that excites us? Yes. A greater intimacy with God. We heard that as a testimony last week when I spoke that someone shared that one of the upsides of going through the changing and the crushing and the pressing is an intimate relationship with God. That's awesome. Dependency on Christ. Absolutely. Richard. Yeah, we're doing it together, it's genuine, we're doing it together, we're walking forward, yes. To actually walk in what Jesus Christ died for is the new way of living, and that's quite exciting. So if I use the phrase new wine, which is what I've been using in this series, what excites you about new wine, the phrase new wine? What does it bring to mind? Fresh flavors, yep. New ideas, yep. Something that we haven't experienced before, right? So perhaps God's been saving something new in heaven all this time and you didn't realize that it was coming your way. Awesome. What else? Anything else? Laurie? Fragrance, yes, the, um, the grapes and the wine has a fragrance, Andrea. Intoxication of a new thing, in a holy kind of way, I guess you mean. <laughs> let there be dancing in church, I say, but let us understand what I mean by that. Okay, anything else? It tastes good, yeah, Absolutely. You know, taste and see that the Lord is good and all that he's prepared for us. Anything else? The thirst for growth, yeah. So as we come into a place of intimacy, God, the gardener is very close to us, pruning us in order that we would be more fruitful. And fruit makes wine. Oh, maybe he's got a design here that he's working with. Anything else? The realization of dreams? Wow, you're seeing your dreams and realities, you step into it. That's great. 
Yeah, so it's not easy to get rid of rubbish, but praise God, Jesus does that so that we can walk into the new. Because I would say you don't want to carry the old into the new, because the first message I gave on new wine talked about why that is perilous to your safety. Jan. There's a freedom flow first from the spirit that then flows through into our body. Great. So if we don't stay pressed in, it could become dangerous to us. That would be a warning you might want to heed. Good. We're going to look at that. Uh, Yes. The sharing of the new wine. Let's share it together. So we're called to do a family. There's one here and then I'll come there. Richard. Effervescent and wild. Again, in the first message, I talked about the violence of the fermentation that Jesus referred to in the passage. Yes. Changed mindset. Yeah, I'm going to talk about that today. Good one. Anything else? Tastes of the season that you went through that's bearing the fruitfulness. Yeah, great. So it speaks of where we've come from. When it flows out, we reach the lost. Maybe you've read my notes for this morning, if you can see the title of the message on the screen. Perhaps. Yeah. Anything else? It's good. I don't need to preach a message this morning. It might might be the end of one season of drudgery anyway. That's right. (laughs) God is always working. Jamie. Celebrate. New wine is part of celebration. So let's be joyous as we do this. We could smile as we think about it. Yes. So it's a process we can't do on our own. Grapes ferment without the winemaker doing it, but, uh, or the wine doing itself. So we've got to allow God to do his work, yeah? Great. This is good. Great. Yes, Lindsay. Yeah, so the message at the beginning was about us becoming a new wine skin in order to contain the wine. The new wine being the life, the the wineskin being the paradigms and the way that we view kingdom versus religion. This was the message Jesus gave, which we we spoke on uh, several weeks ago now. You know, the the paradigm needed to shift. So, So let us continue to look at someone in the Bible this week that we looked at last week. I want to look at Peter. We looked at Peter last week and I gave you a few highlights of, of how Peter was transformed. Because understand, when we meet Peter, uh, uh, we looked, I think, at Luke 5. He's just, a, and I say just because he failed school, he was working his father's business with his brothers, he's just a fisherman. And it's easy to say that looking from the end of the Bible backwards to where he started. Because by the end of Second Peter, his final epistle, we see a mighty man of God who had suffered much and achieved much for the sake of Jesus Christ. And yet we find him at the beginning, just an ordinary fisherman who was transformed into a disciple of Jesus Christ. And I think it was last week I said, don't you dare use the excuse, well, it's just me, I'm just ordinary. Because Peter probably said the same, felt the same, or thought the same, right the way through his three years with Jesus. But last week we looked at several instances of that. He was an ordinary guy, failed school, but he was overcome I believe. He was overcome by Jesus and what Jesus showed him, and that's what brought about the transformation. So let not you think that you're not worthy. This week, what I want to do is look at the advancement of Peter from a disciple of Jesus into an amazing apostle that brought transformation into our world. And it would be very, very bad of me to stand here at the front and teach from the scriptures and to help you just to think that you get to be made a new creation by Jesus Christ and then keep it all to yourself. That's bad teaching. It's not biblical teaching. So let us just move into this morning with a, a, a thought or a, a little bit of trepidation perhaps that what you're getting from Jesus is not for you to keep to yourself. And that's why this morning's message is called New Wine Flowing Out that we would be able to contain it first and not be destroyed by the fermentation, but that we would not keep it to ourselves forever. 
Wine is for others to share. Let's look at the life of Peter. I want to have two focus points this morning. I'm hopefully going to do both of them. We'll see how that works. But definitely the first one is Acts 2, 3, and 4, where we see Peter. You can turn to that now. Peter move into a place where we see powerful preaching and healing as an outwork of the new wine in his life. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 3, Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at those now. What we see in the book of Acts and chapter 2 is we see an event. So I'm going to highlight the event. I'm going to tell you what it is. But then I want to see the the outcome, what's happening and what that means to us. And we're going to see this in the scriptures. Beginning of Acts chapter 2 is when uh, the believers were gathering together and praying for the promises that Jesus had given them that they were yet to experience. That's a really good discipline for all of us to do. 120 of them gather in an upper room one morning, praying and believing that Jesus would provide what he said he would, and all of a sudden there was a sound like a a rushing, a mushing and a rushing wind. And it was violent, and it was noisy, and it caused a stir in the town, and people came running to see what was happening. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We call Pentecost Sunday the baptism of fire. It looked like, the Bible says, it looked like tongues of fire rested on their heads as the Spirit of God transformed them from the inside out to a completely new place of living. That's a biblical event. Happened right here. I read about it. Awesome. But what happens after that? What does Peter do about it? Let's look at Peter as in context. So Acts chapter 2, I'm going to read from verse 14. So all this crazy stuff happened, and everyone goes, oh, look at those weirdos. Like Andrea said, they're intoxicated. They drunk. Peter steps forward with the 11 other apostles and shouts to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, and Peter quotes scripture, not bad for a guy who failed school. In the last days, God said, I'll pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. In those days, this is a promise God gave the church, the people. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, like wind and shaking buildings and tongues of fire turning up. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn red blood before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So Peter is quoting scripture, getting people into that place where they go, oh, this is not a mistake. God's already talked about this. And then Peter says this, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, Jesus, as you well know, because you were living with him just as I was. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, meaning the Romans, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Here we have this man who started a fisherman, filled with the presence and the power and the transformation of God, and he stands up and he says, come on, this is what God promised, and this is what we're experiencing. This is Peter flowing in new wine. What, is, what does he say in verse 32? He carries on his message. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses to this. This is the message of Jesus Christ. In verse 33, now he, Jesus, is exalted to the highest place of honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us as you see and hear today. Everyone gets amazed by this message. They're like, who is this dude and what is he saying? But they are changed as they hear the truth of what Jesus has done. In verse 36, Peter says, Let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made Jesus, who you crucified, to be the Lord and the Messiah, which means the promised King of the Jews. Peter's words pierced their heart, and they said to him and the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? 
Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued to preach for a long time. Apparently it's okay to do that. Thank you. I'll take that permission. Strongly urging his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation and those who believe what Peter said were baptized and added to the church about 3,000 people that one day. What is this in the scriptures we read? We see Peter absolutely changed by what Jesus has done for him, and he's willing to talk about it. He's willing to testify to it. He's willing to tell other people that Jesus Christ is the Lord, the Messiah, the one true God that can save us from our sins. This is new wine flowing in people's lives. What the heck does that mean for us? What does it mean for you? What should you be thinking as you hear the scriptures? Because this is not just a nice story to stir someone up. It's a story to bring transformation to every single one of us. We have a responsibility to share the message of Jesus Christ to those around us. But see, Peter was an untrained man. Peter was a guy who failed school. He'd been a fisherman. He just hung out with Jesus and was kind of like living with his foot in his mouth for three years. And yet here we find him standing with boldness in front of a crowd and 3,000 people respond to say we believe Jesus Christ to be the Son of God. You see, here's the point. Our transformed lives give us our message. Let me say that again. Your transformed lives give you your message. What has Jesus Christ done for you? What is it that you are carrying as a revelation of where you were, but now where you are, that makes you go, thank the Lord for that? That's your message. That's the new wine flowing out of you. That's what you're called to carry wherever you go. Your message. A message of your transformation. It doesn't have to be like, well, I was a fisherman and now I'm not. That might not be your story. Maybe you weren't a gangster. Maybe you weren't in prison. Maybe you weren't a drug lord. It doesn't matter. Where were you and what did Jesus Christ do for you that got you where you are now? That's the new wine flowing out that we see Peter, a message that he's carrying. It's his responsibility, and it's your responsibility as well. You're not just a passenger on a bus hoping to get to the right bus stop. It's about new wine flowing out of every single one of us. Journeys, challenges, and struggles, all that we walk with Jesus Christ and that he leads us through, that becomes our message. And if your life isn't transformed, you hang around here long enough, you might find it happens. What's another event that happens just at the end of this chapter? The believers form a community. Well, that's nice. We're doing that. We talk about family all the time, and someone just testified. We're doing this together. That's awesome. Well, what happens? What does Peter do? Let's have a look at what Peter does. Remember, Peter's our focus this morning. Acts chapter 3. Peter and John, in the first verse, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in their prayer service at 3 o'clock. As they approached the temple, a man, lame from birth, was being carried. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the church. That's weird. Imagine if we did that here. You guys probably come in the side door. So he's carried there every day, every day, every day. He's carried there. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money what a beggar does. Hey, yo, what's the money? Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. I mean, come, get your attention here. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter says, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I do have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up. The lame man did. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. And then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. He couldn't do that before, could he? All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And they realized he was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate. They were completely astounded. 
What is this? This is the new wine that is in Peter that is now flowing out of Peter. Because it's not just about yap, 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 talk, talk, talk. It's actually about, well, my life's different. Your life should be different too. Here, let me help you up. New wine flowing out of us with an expectancy that Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection will change someone else's physical state as much as their emotional state. New wine flowing out. What happens in verse 12? I'm just reading the story to you this morning. Peter saw his opportunities. Everyone was like, got the jaws on the ground going, oh, wow, look at that. It's amazing. <gasps> They're astounded. Can't believe it. It's amazing. I'm just giving you some drama there to get, get in the zone. <laughs> Peter saw his opportunity and dressed the crowd. People of Israel, he says again. What is so surprising about this? He's like, come on. What's surprising about this? You should know. And why would you stare at us as though we actually made this man walk by our own power or our own godliness? Cue there. You don't need to be perfect to be used by God. For it is God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our ancestors, who has brought glory to his servant Jesus by doing this. This is the same Jesus who you handed over and rejected. And despite Pilate's decision to release him, you rejected this man You killed him, but God raised him from the dead. Verse 16, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Peter is giving a testimony to Jesus Christ, the one who comes in order that men and women could be healed of being lame or not being able to move into the church and be part of what he's doing. And Jesus says, it's God that raised him up. Give him the glory for he can do these things. That is new wine. It's new wine flowing out of us. It's, it's, it's something that we need to see in the Scriptures, but we need to adopt for ourselves. This is not just a, Phil's going to rack us up for half an hour and then hopefully we'll be okay and survive till lunchtime. This is the Word of God coming out in order that you would hear it, receive it, and be changed by it. So that when you go to work tomorrow, you're different. That new wine is flowing out of you. That's the whole goal that we've got this morning. Every day, we should be looking for opportunities for the new wine of Jesus Christ to flow out of us. This week, I had a message sent to me, a testimony where someone actually said they were doing this. And she happened to be here. So, Lalani, why don't you come and stand with me? She sends me these testimonies to encourage me. She says, hey, don't forget me. I've been busy. I've been away. But I'm still here, really. And this week, I did something. And she's going to tell us that story now. And it won't be long. <laughs> Gala, you guys, you know me, all of you guys. And I actually made a promise to myself because when I start talking, I can go forever. And Phil said to me, Phil said to me, no. So, so yeah, and I actually feeling so hot and flushed up and everything. I turned to Tia and I said, is it warm in here? He said, mom, you're just nervous. That's why. So maybe it is true. Listen, you guys, so all that Phil spoke today so far really happened in our lives this week, from last week up to now. Um, It started with Tian, my wonderful, nice boy, in the hospital. Um, I was so tender to, like, um, share the story, but God says to me, no, this is his story to tell. So when he's right, he will definitely tell that. Um, But God's been really amazing showing how people is actually actually on your dying bed. He died and, and God did bring him to life. But that is Tian's story to tell. Then the other thing that happened is just going to be short. Um, I'm not going to tell to the stories because there's one that I need to tell that I sent to Phil as well. Um, I actually prayed for a dog. I just thought by myself, oh my goodness, um, this people was really, they were sad about the dog that been bitten to with the other dog. And I just thought, you know, we pray for people, I pray for people, but why can't we pray for animals? So I prayed for animals, that dog is all good, didn't lose his leg, nothing. Praise God to that. Then my mom had been praying for her sister for a long time. She's got cancer, really bad cancer. She's been admitted to hospital. And I was like, God, this is it. 
I'm not taking this. This is not on. So we prayed, and I said to my mom, we're going to stand in one, and we're going to pray for her over the phone. She's in South Africa, and we're not accepting that. So prayed for her. The next day, I got phone calls, and I didn't answer, been busy. And my mom, um, I phoned my mom back, and she said, you're not going to believe it. I was like, what? Yep, tell me anything I will believe. And she said, praise God. She, they actually did test and everything. She's got really pain in her body, but it's not the cancer. She's got arthritis, and because of the chemo that she received, she um, got this pain. It attacked actually the arthritis, but they did test. She's clean, guys. She is clean, cancer-free. Praise God for that. So what I want to, this is now my story. Um, <laughs> sorry. So you guys, when I actually, when God, he's been always telling me, listen, this um, small voice inside me is always telling me, Lilani, you need to do this, you need to do this. And then I'm like, oh my goodness, no. So I'm always going back to Philippians um, 4 verse 13. And this just gives me strength. And I just know this is what God wants for us. And this is a promise to us that he said, I can do all things which he has called me to do through him who strengthens and empowers me to fulfill his purpose. And every time when I'm feeling nervous, I'm standing on this word and I think, God, you gave me this. This is you. It's in your hands because only you can do it. You're just using me. So last Sunday, went to soccer with Ivan because he's in a red team, so always playing soccer. That's why he's not here. And sometimes we're not here as well. So I went to soccer to Rotorua, enjoyed it, and Tian didn't want to come with. And I was like, oh, this is a good opportunity for us to spend one-on-one time. Never knew this is going to happen to me. So we thought, okay, we're going to the shops. We're going to do some shopping and that. And, and Ivan said, Mom, I need to go to the bathroom. And I was like, really, now? And he said, yep. And I thought, oh, cool. I will soon go as well. So I waited for him outside. We went to a mall there in Rotorua. Um, went, um, went, he went, and I was waiting outside. And then sitting there, when he came down, I was like, cool, now it's my turn. I'm going to the bathroom. So you guys, honestly, this has never happened to me before. I actually always, I feel I got the easy way out. But this time, no. So public toilets, everything. Um, went washing my hands, standing there. And I just like looking at this lady next to me, my eye caught her, and she was like, she's got beautiful long hair. I've got someone with awesome long hair. She's like Indian lady, beautiful. And she started splashing herself with water, and I was like, what is she doing? And I was like looking at her, and I thought, oh my goodness. And she splashed herself, and I thought, okay. Next thing, this voice inside, Holy Spirit talked to me and said, she's sick, she's not feeling well. And I was like, no. And standing there, and I thought by myself, so what will I do? Will I ask her if she's all right or whatever? And I just knew where it's going to lead. And I was like, so I'm actually, the way that oh, my cheeks is all red and everything, my palms is sweaty, that was me last Sunday. And I was like, okay, God. So I went up to her, and I said, to her, I, said I turned around to her, and I said to her, listen, are you, are you feeling okay? Are you feeling sick? And she said, she's not feeling well. She's got a terrible headache. She's like, she don't know what's wrong with her. But she needed to still drive all the way to um, Auckland. And I was like, what? And I thought, well, hmm, okay, well, I'm going now. I'm not going to do anything. And I was standing there and just something the whole time telling me, Lilani, pray for her. And I was like, I just feel, you know, the devil, it come, he wants to come and steal from the things that God wants to show us and wants to do in other people's life. So I was ready to run away. I was like going out to the bathroom, never see her again, and oh, I'll just pray for her. And then I thought, no, you know, I'm not going to do that. So standing there, and then all these things get through my mind, think, oh, what is the people going to say? Because they were so busy, in and out people, in and out Looking at the people, looking at her, and I thought, oh my goodness, how is that going to look if I'm standing there in this public toilet praying for this lady? It's not going to look good. So I thought, okay, I'm just going to do it. And I was like, God, you did bring me to this, so you're going to take me through this. And I said to the lady, listen, will you mind if I pray for you? And she said, oh, please, that will be awesome. And I was like, really? I actually hope she said no. <laughs> So I thought, okay, cool. So step one. So I'm getting there. So I thought, God, this is you. And when I closed my eyes, actually, when I put my hands on her, I could hear all the people around me starting to stop going out, talking. And I was like, no, 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 this is not going to put me off. 
So I actually prayed for her, and this was really boldness. Honestly, I was like, oh, my goodness. But I prayed for her, and when I finished prayed for her, she said to me, thank you so much. I'm feeling so much better. So praise God for that. That is really good. Um, we need to step out, out of our comfort zones and just be bold. So, yeah. thank you. Very good. Very good. Very good. The point of the story, praying for someone because God asked you to. What are we supposed to do? Do what God asks us to. Are we the ones that make the person well? No. Peter gives testimony. Don't look at us like that. We're not but godly men. We're just praying, and it's Jesus Christ that made this man, this lame man, walk again. Same thing. We've got to step into that place. So the third part I want to look at is Acts chapter 4. What's going on as the believers are doing these things? They're, actually, the heading I've got here, the Bible event, is that the believers cause a commotion. Imagine if we were praying for people in the park or in the toilet or in a workplace or at the cafe, and what if we caused a commotion in this town? Oh, my goodness. But this is what happens in Jerusalem when the believers decide they're going to do something with the new wine Jesus Christ has done for them. So there's a commotion, and, 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 at, and in the midst of the commotion, they decide that Peter and John are the troublemakers. I'll be careful how I say this. Uh, but anyway, the troublemakers get put in uh, before the, the leaders and accused of causing this commotion. But let's read what Peter says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 8. So this is what's happening. Let's look at Peter, the guy we're looking at today. Verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you, the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. In verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Peter is again testifying. It's flowing out of him. He actually believes it's true. Imagine that. <coughs> that Jesus was raised in order that others could be healed. The members of the council in verse 13 were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John because they would see they were just ordinary men with no special training. That meant they didn't have the special robe with the special tassels. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing right in front of them, was nothing they could do about it. See, the evidence of the miracle is what gives testimony to Jesus Christ. So they ordered John and Peter out, and they had an argument about what they should do. Which we do, we can't deny. They have performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. There's a good idea. The testimony of Jesus goes out across the town. Oh, my goodness. But to keep them from spreading propaganda... We must warn them not to do this, so they called them in and commanded them not to do that. That's good, eh? Give them a jolly good telling off and tell them not to do it again. Awesome. And what do you think Peter does? Look at verse 19. Peter and John replied, Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and heard. Like even if you tell us, even if you beat us, we cannot stop testifying to what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. What does this mean for us? We have to have such a strong conviction of our transformation that no one can defer us, no one can divert us, no one can delay us. We will not step back. We will not shrink back. We will not be afraid when we're in the toilet and God says, please pray for that person. We will not be afraid of telling and testifying to Jesus Christ because we're so changed on the inside. There's nothing that will stop us from doing us what he, us doing what he asks us to. Come on. This is the, the new wine flowing out of our lives. This is the new wine that Peter demonstrates it's the same new wine that you've got same God same spirit same new wine <coughs> what is the outcome here our lives need to be so radically changed that we have a conviction in our hearts in our spirit that drives us to live a different life to have a life where the new wine is pouring out where we change the environment around us We've got to have it so deep in us that it changes us in this new wine. 
flows out. For your sake, I'm going to skip the second part today. That's why I kind of said, well, maybe this might be the last message on new wine. But I've got some other stuff that Peter can teach us, and I, I want to share it another day. Because what I've got to talk about now is what does new wine flowing out look like? Because I want to help you with that. I'm not just pointing the finger going, oi, you guys, buck it up, sort it out, get out there. No, I want to share with you what it is that drives us as a community, as in a family, to be the new wine of Jesus in the, in, in the community. And, and, and what I want to talk about this morning is missions. I want to talk about local missions. I want to talk about global missions. Because missions is an outworking of the practical transformation that we've received in practical help. Is it okay? Because as a church, we're already doing stuff. It's awesome. And I want to talk about it because it's really important that we show the community the love of Jesus in real ways. So Shans, where's Shans? She's still here? Loving Arms. Loving Arms is a, is a group of uh, women, no men involved, I don't think, at this stage. I'm not allowed to play in their games. But um, they're a group of women that get together and they serve mums with new babies. Sometimes they're not new mums, but they serve them. And uh, we've got a container load, a shipping container full of donated goods out in the back car park that gets repurposed into homes to help people to get started with having a baby. How many mums would you have helped just this year? 50 new mums or mums helped in 2018. That's amazing because these are homes that the team get to go into and deliver this package of goods from knitted stuff to clothing to nappies to supplies to, well, the other day someone dropped off a push chair. You know, here's a donation that might help someone. So Loving Arms goes out there and just demonstrates love to the community. That's amazing. And, 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 and since it started, there's been um, probably more, over 100 other mums that have been helped easily. So Loving Arms practical way that we're out there. Fariora's Tiamudu Primary School is a program where we help kids. Ash runs that five mornings a week. How many kids do you have in your cohort at the moment? 14 kids that come and have special attention time every morning. They're fed breakfast. They're told that they're awesome. There's different activities they do on different days of the week to help them with routine and to meet some of the learning outcomes the school is required to achieve. But these are kids that come in because they're not actually able to be um, connected first thing in the morning in the classroom. Now, Davina's is the head teacher at Tiamu Primary School that oversees that. And I want you to tell us, I didn't prompt you on this, so this is a little bit of a, but it'll flow out of her because it's who she is. What, how do you choose the kids? Can you just stand up? Everyone say, hi, Davina. Hi. Just very quickly, like, because I know there's a special effort for you that you have on choosing these kids. What, what makes them get well, what happens, of course, is that these kids have, they're a product of their environment. And so they come to school with lots of lots and lots of different needs. And some of them are quite, sort of, I suppose, easy to meet in terms of breakfast. But lots of them are very complex. And lots of them involve really a bad sense of identity in terms of what they've been said about them and to them. And they can be in all manner of different places by the time they come to school. And so basically, we select them based on, well, the highest needs, but these are kids that sort of tend to run away from school, or they can't, they can't learn, because the problem is that they're so, they're so much in survival mode, like they're literally, lack of food, lack of love, lack of lots and lots of different things, they're in survival mode, and there's lots of brain development things on that. So they can't learn, they literally, they're just in such a bad place. So anyway, they go to Ash, and they cook, and they create, and they do all these super cool things, and we've just had such amazing feedback from the teachers. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Davina. So, so Davina opens the door up for us into Tiamudu Primary, and the principal goes, oh my goodness, this is a great idea. Thanks for helping us, because you can guess what those kids are like in a normal classroom at 8.30 in the morning when they're un- unwell or unsafe or hungry or they're afraid of what's just happened at home. And so we say, well, well we want to love on them. You know, just for a couple of hours. And so that when they go back into the mainstream class after morning tea, they actually feel settled and they feel like they can maybe be open to learning. And as Davina said, the, the feedback reports that we get from the teachers, and you know, I think in the last 18 months, we've had 150 kids go through the program, some of them more than once. 
But, you know, some of them, when we talk to the cops and the youth workers and other things, you know, the number one message we get is that people feel unsafe, these kids feel unsafe at home. And that's what manifests in, in behavior like that. So we've got to, we've got to um, extend ourselves in love to the community, and we do this through our community trust. It's a registered charitable organization that gets government funding, but it needs more help. It needs more energy. It needs more effort to achieve what we're doing. We had a meeting with police and truancy officers and youth workers recently. We hosted it here. We um, clawed, fed them. It was an amazing night that we had together. And, um, and we just said to them, how can we serve our community? What do you guys see? And they said, well, there's, there's young people broken because they've got you know, bad role models, bad environment. And we said, well, what if we could mentor them? And so we started putting together some thoughts. We're partnering with another group that do programs. And, and we've now got um, a guy called Frank who's come on board as a youth mentor part-time. He's got, Eugene, 13? 13 young guys that are at risk of going into the court and prison system because they're doing bad stuff. But the police are saying, hey, how do we get them out of that track? How do we bring them back into a safe place where we can teach them life values and teach them identity and and teach them the right kind of behavior that a young man should have? Give them hope, give them dreams, and give them a future. So we mentor them. And praise God, by the grace of God, by miraculous um, events, we have just leased a youth building in Rickett Road. This massive place that we can have this program where we can develop um, practical things for them to, to build chicken houses or to restore an engine or to, to clean some stuff or to do some projects for the community. And as young men work shoulder to shoulder with another man, they're discipled and they're transformed because of the love that's shared by a man who's willing to be Jesus with skin on. This is love in action. Local missions. We started discussing how we can help the young girls, these teenage girls that are giving themselves away because they just don't love themselves or they damage themselves or hurt themselves. And, and I had an email from one of the girls that's working with someone at the moment. She says, hi, Phil. Just this week, she emailed me. Would you happen to have people in the church that would like to be part of a prayer team for the youth that we're working with? I thought there might be people at North End Church that would have a feeling of ownership about what your community trust is already doing with the youth, and hopefully they'd like to get involved. I met with a girl, uh, I won't say her name, with multiple offenses yesterday, but I was struck by the realization that with God anything's possible. She says, I feel that Frank and the other staff need a team of prayer warriors behind the scenes interceding for these kids. Would you be able to help? What do you think I said? Can you turn around door number one? We've got three doors for you to to, to look at today. I'm going to turn around first door at the moment because I want you involved. And the whole point of talking about new wine pouring out is that you have an opportunity to sign up to be part of what we do as a church. Whether it's the church that's working or the community trust, we're all the same family. There might be different legal entities, but you know what? We're all in this together, and we've all got the new wine in us that should be flowing out of us. And you may not be a youth mentor, but you might be a prayer warrior. You might not be a prayer warrior, but you might be able to help us with admin. You might not be good at admin, but maybe you could help with um, some finances or some behind-the-scenes stuff or just taking a trailload of rubbish to the dump. Everyone can help if they're compelled and convicted by the transformation that Jesus Christ has done for them. So in a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to move to one of the boards. They're all different, so we're going to have a bit of time for you to see. But over here, it talks about local missions and global missions. Do I want information? Just put your name down. We'll get you some information. Do you want to be part of a prayer team? We'll gather you and we'll start praying. Or do you want to be on admin and help some of the administrative stuff that needs to happen to to facilitate these? I want you to have an opportunity to have an outworking for the new wine that you're holding inside you. Global missions is something that's also really important to this church. And praise God, this church has an amazing legacy for global missions. This church is working in, um, it's working in India. This church is working in Indonesia in multiple locations all over India with church planting, Bible schools, and, and um, saving children out of dangerous situations. We're supporting people in South Africa. We've, we've got a sponsor program in Uganda. And also we work with missions partners in New Zealand. This church has a heritage of doing global missions and sending love in practical ways. We're all part of this. 
We, we pray. We, we give sacrificially. We sought support practically, and, you know, some people go. So on this, on this first door here where it says missions, there's a column for global. Maybe you're more about the extension of God's message overseas into third world nations. Put your name in that column. We'll connect with you and we'll work out whether you want to be just part of the information chain, whether you want to be part of the prayer team, or whether you want to actually get on board and do some admin to help us because, um, yeah, that, that is an area that we need. So with regards to missions and global missions, um, I did post on Facebook yesterday that we are heading away tonight to, uh, to do a missions trip. And uh, these things creep up real fast. We're so busy, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh my goodness, I better pack a bag this afternoon. We're going to India tonight. And uh, so Stu, where's Stu? Stand up, Stu. You don't have to come anywhere. Stand up. Um, uh, Kathy, stand up. Stu's coming to India with me, uh, and then on to Indonesia. So give him a round of applause to celebrate his, his sacrifice to come into a third world nation and work out what God wants to do. Uh, and then Kathy and Mel, both you girls stand up as well as. These girls are going to meet us in Indonesia, and we're going to go and do some work with the youth, and we're going to do some work with the church, and we're going to do some crusades, some outreach, some salvations, and some healings. And then we they, they you know that, eh? Awesome. And... Um, <laughs> And then we're going to go and hang out at Hope Village. Hope Village has got 65 kids that it's adopted. You guys can sit down. Um, that we're going to be part of the program there in their school holidays for a few days, just loving on the kids and, and working with them to work out how we can extend our help with what they're doing. Just recently, they rescued a little boy who was how many days old? Five days old and abandoned by his family. And these guys swoop in, rescue him, go through the adoption process, legally bring him into their family, call him... Calvin, a little Indonesian baby called Calvin is now part of the Hope Village family. So Kathy's pretty excited to have cuddles with him. Um, we're going to go and work with them. But here's where I need your help. If I could get um, Jamie to turn around door number, one, door number two, I, I put down the program of what we're doing each day because I want you to be a part of it. You know, I have this saying, when one goes, we all go. There's four of us going, but we're all still going. I want you to be a part of it. If you can't come this time, you have to be a part of what we're doing. But here's what God said to me last time I went. It was in, um, Phil, when did we go? October. October last year, we were over there. And when I'm there, I pour my life into whatever they ask me to do, whether it's preaching, whether it's ministry, whether it's teaching the Bible school, or just supporting the work and the leaders and encouraging the pastors. You know, we have 65 pastors that come to a conference, and these guys, you know, some of them have three people in their church that meet under a, are under a shade sale. And you know what they need most? Love. They need encouragement. They need spurring on that they're doing a good work for Jesus Christ on this remote little island off the south coast of Indonesia. They need teaching, sure, and I give them encouragement, and we give them practical stuff out of the Word of God, but what they want most is a hug, to be told that God's called them into a place of significance, to love on them, to pray them and bless them, and to release God's um, Spirit into their lives. And so when I'm there, I'm pouring my life into them. And last time, I ran out, unfortunately, a few days early, and I crashed and burned. And, and what God said to me was, is, is that the reason you're not seeing the things that you pray for and that you want to see in the miracles over there is because you haven't got enough prayer happening. And just last week or the week before at our, prayer, at our corporate prayer time, God started to speak through our prayer meeting about what he wants to do this time in Indonesia. And that we're going to begin to see things that I would hope for that I haven't yet seen. I told you stories about the, the little girl with the withered arm that I prayed with. And I just stood there knowing that my prayers, that the, the longer the prayer didn't matter, but that my heart was broken that we didn't see her withered hand extended and healed. It broke me. And God said, you just need more prayer and fasting behind you. And I've got to tell you that when I'm there, it's not easy to pray and fast. It's hard enough to survive. You know, one morning we had Red Bull and chocolate biscuits for breakfast on our way to the prison so we could minister to the guys and the girls in prison. You don't have the luxury of having a, a long time to soak in the presence and, and fast so that you're ready for the next day. You'll go, 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 go. So guess who needs to do the prayer and fasting? Yeah. Yeah, please. Please. So on that board, door number two, is actually what we're doing each day. Where I'm going to be in India, we're going to India because there's a crisis over there and the orphanage we've been supporting for 13 years is closed. And we're like, what the heck's going on there? Where are the children? And what's happening? 
And so Stu and I are flying in. We're swooping in to try and work out what the heck's going on and what it means for us as a church. So I'll, I'll report back to you on that. But it's unknown. We're going into an unknown location with an unknown agenda with people that we're trusting. But we need wisdom, discernment to be able to make decisions. And what gives us wisdom and discernment? The Spirit of God does. So if you're praying for us while we're in India, please pray for wisdom and discernment. Please also pray for health. So it's up there on the board. Then we've got a couple of travel days. The girls are meeting us in Kuala Lumpur. We've got an afternoon where we're going to show them the city uh, briefly and do a few tours. But then next Saturday, we fly into Indonesia. And we're going to be doing church services in the morning on Sunday. They want me to do outreach crusades in the evening, which means going to a remote village and standing under a tarpaulin and preaching the gospel message of Jesus Christ, inviting people to meet him as their savior, inviting them to come forward for healing. There's only one way that happens. Peter just testified to it. It's not because I'm a godly man, because I'm clever, because I'm well-trained. It's because the Spirit of God that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is at work in that place. Now, how does that happen? Prayer and fasting. So on the thing, you might sign up for one of those days where there's outreach or where I'm working with the youth and the young people they've asked me to work with. Please also sign up to pray for us on our rest days because that doesn't usually go so like rest like you'd imagine. But we still need rest. And then, I made this nice chart. Like on Thursday, I was lying on the floor in the sun, and I was drawing it all up. It looks really pretty. You'll see that when you go up there. I'm real proud of it. And then God said to me, oh, you missed some. And I was like, oh, but it looks nice, and I've made it even. And, and God says, you missed the last three days. Oh, it's okay, but it looks nice. And God says, boy, you fell over at the end of your trip last year. That's when you need the most support. So bonus door number three, I made a new chart for the trip home at the end. We're going to be um, at Hope Village on the Sunday and preaching with the, the, the church there, and I expect God to move in powerful ways there too. But then it's going to take us a couple of days to get home. And God said, please make sure people pray for you then as well, because it's when you're most tired that you're most vulnerable, and that's when you need the support. So stand to your feet. There are pens at the back of church. There are pens on the corner of stage here. If we could just make those pens on the table there. I want you to move about. We've got five minutes for you to move about, to have a look at the chart, to have a think about it, and decide how you'd like to participate. Thank you for your participation. Oh, and Jamie, just Jamie's also announced, I've put his name on the last one. That's to remind you that Jamie gets ordained on the 7th of July. You should also be here for that. But that's why we're celebrating him on the chart. So move about, have some fun, put your name down, and thank you for partnering.